0: Morning. I got a very tall person up here. <laughs> All righty. First things first. Thank you for not hurting my husband. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. We are inclusive. <laughs> so everyone who who loves any other team but the Eagles is welcome. They may need to take their shirt off before they leave the building, but they will be okay in the building. Amen. All right. Next, I want to thank everybody who's been praying for me. Um, grief is an amazing thing, man. It just hits you. You never know when and how. So I just want you all to know, I appreciate and feel your prayers uh, as we begin this season. And, uh, my mom says, thank you as well. Um, next, As I say that, I um, had dinner last night with um, Chaz and Andrea, and they told me about Michael Kent. And I just want to make sure as we approach the day of his memorial, it was uh, December 8th, I think his memorial service was, two years ago. I just want to say it was nice to hear him remembered, and that my heart is with each of you who loved him dearly. Amen. Amen. Okay. And. All right, today is our first, with me as pastor, today is our first date, okay? (laughs) Remember how I said we need to date each other again? We need to spend some time together doing some stuff. So this annual meeting is like a date, okay? So again, the business of our meeting is us and loving each other. So everybody relax and be comfortable. This is your home or soon-to-be home for our visitors and our our guests, maybe, maybe. I hope so. Um, So all right, I think I covered everything. Oh, and Jamie's here and we have the one, we we, we are welcoming, we haven't seen her yet, but Winnie, Gimbo to the family, yay, Yay. she was born on November 13th, so, and Jamie is in church today, amen. I hope she's not mad, but okay. (laughs) All right, she's mad, okay. Let's pray, Lord Jesus. Um, okay, so we have a lot to cover today, so I'm gonna try, everybody pray for me. I ain't gonna say it, we just. All right, so we um, are moving on. We talked about the message, the means, the method, and now we're down to the movement. How God moves in us and how God is equipping us to be continue to be a movement in the earth for his glory and to unite all people. And so today I wanted to talk about Shalom, God as our peace. Okay? So I'd like to start off with my that first slide. I read this, I read this scripture when I was a little thing uh, in the Lord, like my first few months. Uh, it says, John 14, 27 reads, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And as a young Christian, I was like, bet, you gave me a gift of peace. (laughs) And and I'm like, is this real? Because it's one of the things for me, at even a very young age, I was searching for, you know? There's so much discord and chaos, and I just, and the introvert in me just loved the quiet, peaceful spaces But then I went on and read Matthew 10, 13. And uh, just to give it context, I'm going to read. And as you go about, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. This is where Jesus was sending out his disciples. Okay, He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither coats, no shoes, no staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And in whatever city you go, ye shall enter, inquire, go in it, uh, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence, or go away. And when ye come until a house saluted, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it, and if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And I was like, is that for real, Lord? Is that something you can really do? Can you actually let your peace consume a space? So, you know, I had to be junior investigator and I started trying, that, trying it out in different spaces, you know? And um, I know we're going to talk about what. Theologians and our Orthodox folks say that it's all about. We're going to talk about that. But I'm just here to tell you, I found out that's true. Yeah, right. And if you ever spend time with me and wonder why it's so peaceful, I believe people need a space for peace. And you can radiate that to others. And I think it's very important for us to radiate that peace. You can bring calm to a crazy, chaotic situation by just deciding. Here I will leave my peace and watch God be God in the midst of it. It is so cool to me. So I just want to share So because can you imagine all of us at one time in this house today, right now, deciding that this will be peaceful space, that our kids will be peaceful, that our minds will be peaceful, and we can rejoice in that. There is a safety, a nurturing, a love in that. Amen. So, but since I learned that, but in, in time, I've learned also that shalom is a greeting that's often used um, in, um, it was often used uh, in uh, Jewish culture. Um, so it was the hello, shalom when you meet, shalom when you part, but it also has deeper meaning. For uh, the Hebrews, uh, in the Mediterranean at that time, hospitality was very important. And one's hospitality was measured by how you received travelers and strangers. I think this is a good message for our nation, how we receive travelers and strangers. Um, a person entered into that village or, or town, they found out, you know, who had the space, who, who could provide and had the meals, because you didn't wanna take from someone who didn't have because people would give it to you because this was so important. I don't know about you, have you heard stories of people traveling to countries that didn't have a lot? And they'll tell stories, uh, one of my pastors tells a story about going to Uganda and they were visiting in the villages and how the women laid out wonderful spread of food and them knowing they took every penny they had to make them welcome. And, and that it was, it was truly an offering and a sacrifice. But it was so important to them that they extended that. Um, so you exercised some care. And you also didn't want to go to someone who was um, not genuine. I guess that's called disingenuous. Someone who wasn't genuine. Because your visit was also kind of marking them and giving them status. You know, and you didn't want to participate in foolishness. You wanted to stay with people who were very sincere. And so this is the instruction Jesus had, had given them when he sent, he sent his disciples out. And so we have that general meaning of greeting, hello, but it goes deeper. It's about the hospitality, but not just being friendly, but the sharing of what people have, the sharing of who people are. And so the meaning of shalom um, is also about wholeness and completeness. Um, when you hear shalom with the word peace, we often just automatically go that the opposite of peace is war. But it's not limited to war or to any political kind of structures or struggles. Um, some of us who are uh, leaning more into social justice, we think about that but it's not limited to that or the end of strife or the end of deprivation. Some of us think about our physical being and being in spaces of maybe Robbie's thinking that because I was teasing him because he's sitting way in the back and he usually sits up front. I think, you know, <laughs> the peace is a place where you know that you're going to be physically safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, be physically safe here. Um, nor is it limited to just about being still. Shalom refers to our entire state of being, being well in my soul, tranquility, prosperity, not in the terms of grabbing everything you can, but having the riches of life that aren't necessarily measured monetarily, but in friendships and support in the food, the types of food you eat. It's just the richness, the things that are healthy and and give to our well-being and security from harm. Shalom, in some ways, it's like having nothing broken, no restoration to what God intended for us in the beginning. And so Shalom is the manifestation of God's divine blessing God's blessing made real, and God's blessing made tangible in the earth today. In the earth then, today, and tomorrow. Shalom. Peace. When Jesus says, my peace I leave you, or I give you, God is referring to all that he is. Think of him as Prince of Peace. All that I am, I give to you. He's well, therefore you and I are well. He's tranquil, tranquil, therefore you and I are tranquil. He has resources, therefore you and I can access the resources he has. He's confident and secure, therefore you and I can be confident and and secure. We can be far from brokenness. And it seems hard sometimes to imagine but to be in the midst of confusion and be all right, you know? And we have the stories of Jesus walking on the water during the storm, bidding Peter to come out of the boat, uh, or Peter asking, actually, can I come, and going out into the storm, that you can be in storms and be peaceful and not have brokenness that Paul often talked about, you know, I thank God that you guys are concerned for me because I'm sitting up in jail right now. But I want y'all to understand that I'm content even though I'm trapped in jail. There's something about the presence of God, the peace of God, we say that passes all understanding, but when he comes in and he gives it to you, it is a miraculous thing that God has given that to me. And And it rises up and pours out and overflows this is shalom. And it's so true that in the context of, of the, the gospel of John 14, he opens with don't be afraid, and he closes with don't let your hearts be troubled. You and I have something to say about whether or not we dwell in God's peace. You know? I've been in situations where I've had to say I choose your peace, I choose your peace, I choose your peace, or choose your peace because my heart is doing like this but I still choose your peace and to see God before my eyes. Cause sometimes the confession, you know, there used to be, you know, we used to have sayings like fake it till you make it. Now sometimes with the scripture is really important to fake it till you make it. I'm like, Lord, you know what my heart is saying, but my mouth's confession is your word. So I'm going to quote some stuff. Cause it'll soothe me. And then I can watch and see what God does in the midst of my situation. Cause remember, The earth was conceived in miracle. The earth, God was involved from the very beginning. God created space for God's self to move in this world here and now. He's not far off and far away from us. God is not unconcerned about what's happening for us. So much so in understanding what life will bring our way. The trials, the situations, the anger, the hurt, that Christ decided that the thing that he was gonna articulate leaving to you and me was his peace. That it is something that I can grab onto and I can hold onto. And it's something that I look for because he, he already gave it to me. So Lord, all right, I'm ready. Here's a situation. I need you. My girlfriend ha- uh, says this God's gonna show up. God's got you. He's gonna show up. And I love it because over and over I've seen it to be true. And I find myself sometimes warring with the one time or, or I think God didn't show up. And I miss all these other times God showed up. And I don't wanna understand why I think He didn't show up, you know? Maybe there was something else along the way, and it took a minute to come to an understanding. But God gave me this problem that he would never leave me, nor would God forsake me. It's the same promise he's extended to all of us. And so in not leaving, the storm may come. But my peace I'm going to give you, and you're going to walk through this storm. Some things, oh Lord, some things we don't go, we can't go over. Some things we can't go under. But here's the deal. We got to go through. When I was um, giving birth to Micah, I was in the hospital. The contractions would come and I would do this <laughs> with every contraction. And I would do it for a lo- as long as it lasted. And, and the nurses would look at me and go breathe. And I would just look at them like, you're crazy. And I would just keep bearing down. The doctor came and said, you are fighting the pain. You are bearing up against pain. And in this situation of giving birth, I could not hear what they had to tell me. I took the class, but it went out the window as soon as that thing hit. I had back labor. I was like, Lord Jesus. Somebody, you know, trying to figure it out. I had a joke with Robbie. We walked through the hospital doors. We were walking. Because this man parked in the, dry, in the parking lot <laughs> in the high rise. And I had to walk to the I got to the the desk, I turned around and leaned back, and I was like, whatever medicine, I didn't even give my name, whatever medicine they have, give it to me. (laughs) It's like, it was a whole new world. And so, really, it was a mess. But I kept bearing down, that's all I knew. Conversations were happening. My family came in. People were laughing. I'm mad because I got a bear down and y'all having a party. It, it was it was it was awful. And, and eventually I ended up, you know, we had Micah because, you know, she's 24. So um, but after we had her, I was home and the Lord started talking to me. OK. Now, when I say the Lord talks to me, I'm not saying I heard an audible voice. What I'm saying is that I heard, I heard God, I had flashes of what I was doing in the hospital, bearing down. And it was like the Lord was saying to me, angel, you press against pain with as much force as pain presses against you. And all you have is this thing going on that starts to shake and quake because you are, you are pressing up against it. You know what I mean? Let me help you. You know when you hit your foot and you stop and you go, that, that you just focus everything in fighting pain because you, because I thought, I can't speak for you, but I think maybe I can, that pain comes and you think you have to fight it in this way to manage it, to get through the moment. And the truth is, Pain won't kill us. But we think it will. We think it will. And because we think it will, we fight every circumstance or situation when it comes to push it away, to bear up against it. Instead of going, God has given me, Jesus, God the Savior, gave me his peace. And this, I can pass through. Often we imagine our situations and circumstances before we even enter into what's going to happen. We have imagined the worst. We have imagined the conversation everybody's going to have with us and how I got to have a comeback for this. And It's like being ready for the the fight. And we think that's good because you got to be ready for the fight. But there is something about peace that draws people in so you can have a conversation with them, so you can talk heart to heart and not be grounded in, I have to defend myself or I have to keep you from hurting me. The thing that I talked about last week with never wanting to be a church survivor, and I ran from church for a while because I did not want to get hurt. I was asked yesterday, have you always wanted to be a pastor? It is the last thing I wanted to be. (laughs) I watched and I didn't want that, I still don't. (laughs) But I know I play a role in it as well. And I know that my gifting is here. And so step in and it may get tricky and there may be days when y'all will be like, like, I can handle it with Jesus. (laughs) But not to experience this would be horrible for my life, I would not have opened the door to wonderful relationships and to see what God does in a community with a bunch of people who want their peace to rest within that community. Our vision is to make Philadelphia, the wonderful, great Philadelphia, even better. And we want to do it by going to the core, the heart. It's not so much how much money you can give and how many things you can give, but when those things come out of an expression of our heart and that we have time and that we have peace, I can share that with you. And it can change me because I've invited you in to be a part of my life, to be a part of me. And you transform me. And I have the opportunity to help transform (coughs) you. My peace, I give to you. Don't fight it. Rest in the peace and keep walking. Amen? It's the gift of peace to live our life. The ultimate gift of peace that we have is the peace with the divine, of course. God is not angry with you or me. God... Wants relationship with you or me in me. God gives his blessing of peace to equip and empower us for life. God grants us well being, tranquility, prosperity, security. All with God. And we've said it I'm saved. I have this relationship with God. I'm all right. And if we go way back to our church history and the four spiritual laws on the Romans Road, if I was to die today, I would be in the presence of God immediately. And we celebrate, but I have to ask you. Now, some would define that as salvation, right? We have peace with God, I'm saved. But if God is community and God created us to reflect God's image as community, if we were separated from God and we were separated from one another losing community, do you think God desires us to be drawn to experience shalom with him and shalom with humanity? Do you think the salvation might be a little bit bigger than we think it is? Not just going to heaven? I said before, I'll say it again. The spirit of the living God lives in me and lives in you. Salvation is not about a destination. For wherever God is, that's where I'm going to be. I have peace with that. I don't have to worry about that. I'm not just trying to make it to heaven. I'm not doing that because I've made it to God. I've made it to a person and not a place. So I can experience God right here. God can enter into my private space or into the space when we worship together so fully that it blows me away. I have, you have, that relationship with God. So it's not about destination. So if it's not about destination, what is it about? I submit to you it's about communion, communion. When I say that word, we think of the bread and the wine that is offered in memorial to the sacrifice Christ had. But if we anchor salvation only in his broken body and blood poured out, that he died and he was resurrected, we lose so much. If he only needed to come to die, then why did he have to take 33 years to do it? There's something about the living that God wanted to show us. There's something about existing in time, being tangible, one with another, in relationship, that's a part of this message of salvation that God has for us. The salvation is not distance and destiny, but here today. And we walk with God, exploring and learning. In the beginning, God created humanity. Some theologians say humanity was unfinished because he gave us a mission to fulfill. Sin separated the things we do that deal in death, separated us one from another. So in this communion with God, we are experiencing some call a restoration or a reconciliation with God so that what God always intended, we're able to fulfill. So salvation kind of changes. It stops being anchored in the future way beyond. And we understand that salvation was anchored in the beginning because God always intended this level of community to be personal and to be intimate with us, to commune, to have fellowship, to talk, to walk, to laugh together, to laugh with others, with God, to enjoy life. That was destined from the beginning and so it will be. But some of our theology has pointed us only toward the end time. And we miss out the wonderful living. Yes, we are in the meantime. We're in the time that's, that Jesus died and we're waiting for the, 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 the perpetual inbreaking of the kingdom of God, right? It's the meantime. But this is an exciting time to be alive. Think about everything that's against us. When I just look at all the politicians talking about God and their faith, and it makes me want to tell people, not even tell people I'm a Christian. At one point, I changed my, my Facebook thing and just said, follower of Christ, because I didn't want to be labeled. Amen. The economic times are really rough for some of us, and we're trying to rebuild in the midst of, of an economy that's starting to slow and fall apart. These things are against us. Think about it. Can I get personal? with us as a church, I've come in as a new pastor and it's hard being a new pastor and people may not be feeling me or they're trying to wait it out so I don't know how to motivate. Think about the things that, you know, I think about that. That might be against me, being new, it's against me. But then I have to flip the switch on that thing and think about the opportunity that stand before us and they're incredible opportunities to see God move in some really unusual ways. To my eyes, maybe, oops, maybe it's not unusual for some of you. But every time I'm with a group of people who are committed to following Christ, and we start moving and doing stuff, I get excited, man. There is nothing like it because I experience justice and harmony and peace and unity. And that thing has had a taste in me that's resonated in my life. I've tasted the kingdom of God. And I wanna see it over and over and over again. And so it moves me to do the things I'm supposed to do, like become a pastor, and to be a part of this world. But I can't do any of it without that peace and that trust that there is peace in God. Salvation is bigger. When we search the scripture, we find the majority of the texts refer to peace in relationships. Colossians three fifteen. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, be thankful. Hebrews twelve fourteen. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness no one will see God. Romans twelve eighteen. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, not on another person, but you, live in peace with everyone. Second uh, Thessalonians 3.16, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. And then Psalms 37.37, 37, 37, consider the blameless, consider the upright. The future awaits those who seek peace. Psalms 34.14, turn from evil into good. Seek peace and pursue it. 1 Peter 3.11, the last one. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Angel version. They must turn from what deals in death and causes harm to another. And do what gives life. And then it admonishes us to seek peace, pursue it. Pursue it as as a treasure that that you want in your life. Pursue it. So I'm left to say that having my own salvation is not enough. It is not enough that I'm saved. It doesn't reflect the image of God. But recognizing that we have salvation that we walk together, that you are your relationship with God is just as important as mine, and I want to benefit that relationship. That is a broader an opening up of salvation, this peace we have with God. Rabbi Old old said that the Torah was written for the sake of peace. They studied it for the sake of peace. They lived for the sake of peace. I can't say that I've always thought of it in that way. For the sake of peace, I speak to you. For the sake of peace, I consider you. I can't say I've done that, and and it challenges me. In the pursuit of peace, or for the sake of peace, I have to condition myself not to live a quiet life, which is the (laughs) oddest thing. Mind my own business, stay in my lane, You know, all those things I admonish myself with, you know, because trespassing is not good. It never is good. But to help and admonish another, to take a risk when somebody is in a relationship and it doesn't look too good and I need to say to you, that relationship, that's not right. That's not working. That's not good for you. I might lose you as a friend, but maybe one day you'll hear the words echoing in your head. To take a risk for the sake of peace that you know peace, that this neighborhood knows peace. It may be as Chaz was telling me, to go out and confront a neighbor who's angry with him, but to rest in God's peace as he talks to him and watch the emotions deescalate and calm down and to gain a brother. It's, It's a different way. My deepest desire for each and every one of you is to be whole and complete. And I understand that I bear a portion of the responsibility for your wholeness and your completeness. I bear responsibility in loving you well and loving you whole. It's an honor, but it's scary. Cause I might mess up, but you know what? I want to train myself not to be afraid of pain, not to be afraid of hurting, but to look for the joy, the wholeness, the peace, the completion I can give, to take the risk, to step out in a different way than I usually do. I can walk down the sidewalk and ignore people with the best of y'all, but to say hello, which sometimes seems like it shouldn't be a risk, but it feels sometimes like the most riskiest thing you can do. Who knows you're a member of Mosaic Community Church? Who knows that you follow God in the way you follow God? Not because you're trying to get four points, four spiritual law points made out, but because God is such an immediate, intimate part of your life, you can't help talking about God. You know, I was sitting the other day, and the Lord sounds strange, maybe, but if it's the truth, it's the truth. And people will ask you, you really talk to God like that? Yeah, keep boogieing. Because it's about the life we live. The life we are living now. Last thing I want to say. We talked a little bit about the church. Um, And I'm going to talk more about the church and about salvation. This is maybe just a little bit of an introduction. We have a busy schedule today. But I want us to understand that God has always called people, a group of people. He called the first humans to be a part of his household. God has always called people out to be in relationship with God. This thing with church is just another phase, another example of that. But you see, the church is anchored in history. The church is a tangible, physical thing because God is dealing with us in the world. God is not super spiritual. Sometimes we make God out to be so far off that God is not invested. But the history of the church demonstrates to us the times that that as a collective body, we could say the people of old, our forefathers, our ancestors, whatever word you want to use, how they walked in faith. Yes, they messed up because they're just as human as I am, but they walked in faith. The word of God, the church, has been continued by word of mouth. It has been moved by word of mouth. From decade to century to decade, we are part of a historic body. And church, I know it seems like the church should be something for, you know, it's not relevant anymore. But we find our own relevancy with each new Christian, each new generation that walks with God. And we determine a way that our relationship with God is expressed to the world, and we plant deeply into the ground that others have planted in so that those who will come after us will have something to reach back to and hold on to. Our stories, maybe they aren't told in the fancy, books on church history, but they'll be told by the hearts and minds of those that you've touched, and they will help others come to know God. Your history as a member, as a part of the body of Christ, is so important. Your struggle, just as many people felt moved by what I shared last week, it was important, and it is important. We'll move with that, we'll move in that because we care Because we want shalom to rest. Not just with me and mine, but with you and yours. That is a good thing. It is a hard thing, but it's worth struggling for. In Jesus' name, I'll take the alarm to say you need to quit. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for your salvation. We pray and ask that you would bless us with deeper understanding and knowledge. Um, Next week, Lord, I just pray that you would, during the course of the week, illuminate our hearts and minds, open us up, Lord, that we can hear what you have to share. Um, This is our desire, to know you, to lift Jesus up as the center of our lives, and to be free. In Christ's name, amen.